0: Second time, great, fantastic. So, um, are we on? Cool. Um, I was at uh, a conference last week um, with Elim, who we've now kind of joined with as part of our journey towards my retirement or <coughs> whatever. And uh, in absolute truth, if I could have afforded to, I'd have taken you all. It was wonderful. The atmosphere, the spirit, the people—they were amazing, absolutely amazing—and just felt like such a part of something, such a part of belonging there and, and stuff. So, they've they've got something coming up in Birmingham. I think it's on the twenty-seventh. I, th- I think it is a Pentecost night, where all the sort of churches of Ely are invited to it, seven o'clock on a Sunday night. So, I'll get some details to you for that because if if you can make it, it would be great to go along and just see what we've kind of joined up with, and we're going to end up asking some of their speakers to come and be here with us, and just for us to just begin to feel part of, of that, so it's really good, but um, for those of you who were here a couple of weeks back, thank you for those who looked after things last week, particularly Steph, you know, you are a, an amazing person to us, and we re- can we just show some appreciation to Steph? <laughs> I know what they say. Well, the it, well, the cat's away. <laughs> There's not many people I- in whose hands you can trust things, and you know, you know. In fact, I told Nick um, when I went to see Nick on Friday, and he, they'd said he was coming back on the Saturday, and an ambulance would bring him back. And actually, that's not quite what happened. Um, they did all that they needed to do to him on the Saturday to let him go, but. I don't think there was an ambulance available, so his dad went down and fetched him and brought him back at midnight. So I was messaging him this morning to see how he was, and one of his biggest things is he's lost a lot of weight, but that's to be understood, I, th- I guess. He's been on drips and all kinds of things. But it's it, just eating is very difficult, and um, so we just need to pray, I think, particularly for that side of his body and his... Um, improvement for God to speed that up and also he's still in a lot of pain for his stomach but if, if we knew what had really been done to his stomach we'd understand why because I think they've kept a lot from from everyone to sort of see that um, but two weeks prior to, to this I was I began a sort of introduction to the idea of worship and it, it, it's very not just close to my heart the idea of worship but I, I want you to catch something today why worship is so significant for us, not just as a church, but as the church. I mean, the idea that somehow we're going to get to heaven and be doing that for eternity, it's is beyond our comprehension as to what that really means. But I want to give you some glimpses from the Bible of, of what worship in heaven looks like. Because I, I have an impression in my own life, and I kind of share this before with other people, that somehow we think that that we are bringing our worship and we're offering it to God and it seems like that's biblical it seems like that's right it seems like that's what we're supposed to do but there is a, a level of worship so you can go into one church and you can go oh this is this is okay you know singing a lot of old hymns there's nothing wrong with singing old hymns you can go into another church and they're singing all these mega new you know songs with big flashy lights and you know and it's it's all it's like going into a show you know and and i kind of look at all of that and i think we're, we're bringing this as our offering towards heaven but my my understanding of scripture is they were doing this way before we ever were created way before we ever knew anything about leading worship heaven already had experience of of worship and so for me my target and my goal and my aim is that we would join with heaven's worship, not that we would bring our version of worship to heaven and say, what do you think of this? You know? it's nothing like, is it, you know, somebody who, who makes uh, birthday cards or, you know, you know, someone who's a creator of them and puts a beautiful poem in there. And then you go off the shelf and, shelf and there's about... 7,000 of these printed all around the country. But you pick it off the shelf for your loved one. And you bring it to your loved one and you say, this is what this poem says and it's like it's just for you. And so does the 7,000 others who've just had that same card. It's how personal that is. And sometimes when we're bringing our sort of songs and our worship and all of that, somebody who wrote that song, it was genuinely, this was what their heart was going through at the time you looked at some of the songs we sang this morning and somebody wrote them somebody who was going through an experience of right life wrote those songs and we might just catch a little bit of a glimpse of what they meant by that and we might offer that same up to God and but what he just really wants is just intimacy with you and intimacy with me but there's something I'm going to share with you this morning as we read through these verses Heaven's worship is very different to ours in its content. So we sing a lot of stuff today about a lot of things, and there's nothing wrong with doing that. But if, if we're to join him with heaven, what are heaven singing about? So at the beginning, right there at the beginning, Genesis 1 verse 1. So if you can find verses, Steve, you are just brilliant if you can. Uh, Genesis 1 verse 1 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So I want you to understand, God made everything that exists so he could fill it, so he could fill all of heaven and he could fill and populate all of earth. How he fills heaven is he fills it with angels and spirit beings, some of which we're going to read about today. It's not like you see on earth. It's just weird. Heaven is Weird, full of things with four heads. It's like, what is going on there? You know, it's just, you know, but what God does, He makes earth and then He makes man and says, it's in Him, it's in man that my glory, that I have filled all of heaven with, my glory will fill all the earth in you. So it says in Numbers 14, verse 21, Truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. That's why God made heaven, to fill it with his glory. That's why he made earth, to fill it with his glory. And glory is not a song. Glory is the very presence of God himself filling all the earth. Now, the wonderful thing I love about the earth is plants don't sin. So they manifest his glory continually. Mountains don't sin. Rivers don't sin. Seas don't sin. So you go to these places and you're overwhelmed by the wonder of it, aren't you? Have you ever done that? Been overwhelmed by the... Because the glory is in all those things. But you know where his highest glory was meant to be? Was it you? And in me? And somehow, that's what God wants to return to. That the whole earth is filled with this glory now that's where we come to a bit of an issue because well are, are we really that glorious <laughs> you know but maybe we'll come to that in a future future session but look at look at these verses this is in ezekiel chapter 1 now i'm going to read a lot of bible this morning so you might d- please try not to get bored right i'm going to read a lot of bible but try to listen to what the bible is saying about What it sees. So when I talk about that, it means people wrote these verses. So I'm going right back to Old Testament. You know, most of our sort of verses in the New Testament that give us big glimpses of heaven is in the book of Revelation, right at the end. So we're going to read some of that in a minute. But what you're going to see is what they saw in Revelation, which came some 70, 80 years after Christ rose from the dead you're going to find that eight, nine hundred, a thousand years before Christ, they were seeing the same things about heaven. Which is pretty much remarkable. Because they weren't together, those people didn't live in the same era. They didn't live in the same period of time, but they saw the same things. Which is a great indication that maybe what they were seeing then is real. So the first guy I'm going to give to you is a guy called Ezekiel. And if you, if you read the book of Ezekiel, you'll probably be a little bit um, overwhelmed by his... Imagination, you might call it. So it begins in chapter one, verse one. It says, "Now it came to pass in the thirteenth year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day." I don't know why he does that. Why? Why he pins it down so much? Um, He says, uh, "In the fifth day of the month, as I was among the captives by the river Chiba." So it's not even in church. He's not in a place of victory, a place of, he's, he's in captivity. He says, and the heavens were open to me, and I saw visions of God. And I'm going to read some verses in a minute that's like what he begins to see, what it begins to look like. I would, oh man, I would pray that you people saw visions of heaven and visions of God. You're going to see it for real one day. But if people like this can see it, what's what's going on, you know? Um, So, verse 4 says, I looked and behold, a whirlwind was coming out of the north, a great cloud with raging fire engulfing itself, and brightness was all around it and radiating out of its midst, like the colour of amber out of the midst of fire. And also from within it came the likeness of four living creatures, Revelation mentions four living creatures around the throne so he sees this 800 to a thousand years before jesus comes and there and this was their appearance they had the likeness of man each one had four faces each one had four wings their legs were straight and the soles of their feet were like the soles of calves' feet now we're going into the realm of fantasy come on this is what are you doing Creatures with foreheads, legs like this and feet like cars. What are you seeing? You see, what happens when people see visions of heaven is it's so different that we haven't got words for it. We haven't got ways to explain it. So we give it as much definition and description as we can based on what we do see. Do you, get, do you get what's happening here? This is why he's doing it like this. And all, all through that, um, let's go to verse 15. Now, as I looked at the living creatures, behold, a wheel was there on the earth besides each living creature with its four faces. The appearance of the wheels and their working was like the color of Beryl, whoever she is. <laughs> <laughs> and all four had the same likeness. The appearance of their working was as it were a wheel in the middle of wheels now this was another vision he's having some strange thing floating and he doesn't have words for it except what he's seeing what i'm going to do with you this morning is let you begin to see that if we're talking about heaven if we're talking about the worship of heaven you have to realise it's not based on the same things that ours is based on. Because we only have our natural senses and vision and understanding by which to comprehend things. But what if God is beyond comprehension? What if God is beyond anything we've ever seen? How do we worship that? So we reduce it down to things that we can comprehend. Oh, you'll love God, it's amazing. You know, you love us, you're like a father to us, and we we bring it down to all these words and they all work for us. But the Bible says that there's a love that passes understanding. Ha <laughs> ha What's that look like? What's that feel like? And so our worship has become very much brought down to logic, reason, understanding. And there's nothing wrong with that. That that works. But I want to tell you there's a higher level. There's a higher place of worship that goes beyond your understanding. And if you get there, wow, anything happens there. That eye that you have an issue with, surely, doesn't have the problem there. Nick, I know you'll be watching this later. Lying in your bed, suffering and and in a lot of pain. But but, but that kind of worship, there's no pain there. There's no suffering there. Because that's what heaven is like. It's not what it's like down here on earth. And Daniel in chapter 7, Daniel chapter 7, Ezekiel, and then the next book is Daniel. So another guy. let go find chapter 7. I think I'll begin at verse 9. You might be there before me. Yeah, I'm sure you will. Fingers and thumbs today. Where's verse 9? I'll read it from up there. I watched till. So he's looking out into heavenly things. He says, And I watched till thrones were put in place. And the Ancient of Days was seated. His garment was white as snow, and the air of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame, its wheels are burning fire. I wonder if that's the wheels that Ezekiel had seen. But if you go to Revelation chapter 1, I think it is, we're not going there just yet. But you read there about him who's the one, that Jesus is like just the one who's described there. Back to verse 9, sorry. Yes. Yeah, okay. As he's d- described there, his hair like wool. His garment's white as snow. That's how he's described in Revelation. So before he's even come to the earth and died on the earth and risen from the dead, Daniel's seeing him. The same one that, J- that John sees. In heaven, this is what he looks like. He's the ancient of days who comes to be a man who dies at 33. He's the ancient of days who looks like you and me at 33. But in heaven, he's still seen as the ancient of days. The wise And it's like a flame of fire. Yeah, in verse 10, we'll go through a couple of verses. A fiery stream issued and came from before him. A thousand, and thousands and thousands ministered to him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated and the books were opened. We'll go to the next verse. I watched then because of the sound of the pompous words which the horn was speaking. I watched till the beast was slain and its body destroyed. It's like, what is he seeing? What is he seeing? But did you notice in the verse before? Thousands upon thousands, 10,000 times 10,000. It's the description given in Revelation of the people who are round the throne. I think maybe one more verse. Let's have a look. Okay, as for the rest of the beast, they had their dominions taken away. Their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. If you don't know, that's referring to um, the fallen angels and, and how they were cast out of heaven and then given a season and a time you read revelation it's all there this is written 800 years before john sees it in the book of revelation it's madness but it's because there's a reality that exists beyond being born being a child being a teenager going to school getting a job getting a partner having children buying a house, having grandchildren, getting older, dying, and that's it. That's our version. That's who we are. But when we start reading this stuff, there's like a whole dimension outside of that that exists. And as these people begin to see it, it's crazy. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. This is a young man, Isaiah. Now, I'm going to point something out here that I heard at the conference. So I I do steal a few things, by the way, while I'm there. So you're going to get some stuff from that. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Let's go through a couple of verses. So he sees the Lord. Above it stood a seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. What a sight. And one cried out to the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. This is again five, six hundred years before Jesus. What is it that Revelation says they're singing all the time? Holy, holy. He hears it. Hundreds and hundreds of years before we get the revelation of heaven and what it's like. And they're singing holy. They were singing it back here. I'm going to give you an understanding of what holy is very shortly. It's not what you think. It's not what you think. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Next verse. And the post of the door was shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I'm undone because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew. To me, having in his hand a coal, which he taken with tongs from the altar. Let's keep going. He touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. I also heard a voice of the Lord saying, Who shall I send? Who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I. Send me. That's it. want you to notice something. In the year that King Uzziah died, Uzziah was a a king who began well. He began well in the eyes of God and God blessed him, blessed the nation. He was fruitful. And then he turned from God. He turned to his own idea, his own understanding of himself, his self-importance. He turned from God and he ends up dying an horrible death. But here's the thing, during his reign, Uzziah, people like Amos and Jonah and another guy were the prophets during his time. When a new king comes, what does God say? Isaiah, who will go for us now? Who will be our voice in the next season? How many of us have got we can look back at our past and go, oh God, you were like this for me in that t- period of my life. You were like that for me in this period of my life. But you're in a new season now and he has a new word for you. He has a new prophetic word for you in this season to take you through this season. Does that make sense to you? And all of this coming from glimpses of heaven. From vi- So what does heaven look like? Heaven looks like this. There's a throne. There's a king who sits on the throne. And we heard about him last week. He sits in the heavens and he does exactly what he pleases. In other words, he knows the seasons that are coming. And he sends out for those seasons what we need. Bless God for Nick. Bless God for what God's going to do in Nick's life. It's a new season. And what's happening with you, Shirley, it's a new season. But God's going to be miraculous in his season, in his time. Amen, that should have got at that point, but you know, you're all right. In Revelation 7, actually, no, we'll go first to Revelation chapter 4. Let's go there. So, there's there's no book that has visions and pictures of heaven like the book of Revelation does. So, we've read Old Testament verses, right? Oh, and by the way, do you remember when Jesus was... Or was about to be born, and the shepherds was on the hillside. And what happens next? A bunch of angels appear. I wish I'd got this. I, I, in fact, I've I've just realised I've let you all down, and I've let myself down here. There was a video recording, no, a cassette recording. A video wasn't invented back then, um, of angels singing, and what it was. These young people were practicing for their um, leading worship on Sunday. And I think they were singing the song, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. So they were just rehearsing. And they thought, well, record ourselves rehearsing. So they did. And they played away. There were only a few young people playing away and singing this and they recorded themselves. They played it back. And what they played back was just ridiculous. It was a host of angels singing on the tape. If I can remember, which I'm really not good at doing, I'll bring you a copy of that. Bring you let you listen to it. And you hear this whole choir of angels singing. Now Jesus is, is gonna be born and the angels sing sing glory in the highest. And I don't know. We just read that as a verse of the Bible, you know, as a, a nativity scene moment. But there were angels singing in the sky. What? And they could all hear it. And it was how glorious would it have been? I mean, they can sing. We can't. I, I was polite there. <laughs> they can sing, and in, and even on this this this. Uh, cassette where you hear it singing somebody tried to master it if you like to um get more quality out of it and all of that and as they did it you hear an angel with a male voice you don't hear him step forward but you hear him sing a verse that's not in our books and you hear him sing about the glory of god and you go what four little people recording with their guitars they worship for sunday joined by the heavens who can't wait to sing about him who sits on the throne any opportunity there's four kids do it down there they're going to sing that song let's go let's just oh whoa they're singing about the one we love let's join in and they've gone the angels are just lost in it It's an absolutely incredible thing. So in in Revelation 1 it says, After this, verse 1, I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me. Come up here and I'll show you things that must take place afterwards. Immediately I was in the Spirit. And behold, a throne set in heaven. And one sat on the throne. And he who sat there was like jasper and sardis. This is colours and stones in appearance. There was a rainbow round the throne in the appearance like an emerald. Around the throne there were twenty, throne, 24 thrones. And on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting, clothed in white robes. They had crowns of gold on their head. From the throne... There proceeded lightning and thunder and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne. These are the seven spirits of God. Before the throne there was a sea of glass, like crystal. In the midst of the throne and around the throne there were four living creatures. Hello, from the Old Testament. Full of eyes in the front and the back. (laughs) What is that? Oh, guys, I know it's like we're, we're so used to brick buildings and roads and cars and buses. And like, and maybe we've built some things that are a bit interesting down here. But you're going to get to them and go, What is this? What is this? It's going to be incredible. Four living creatures. Um, the first living creature was like a lion. The second, like a calf. The third living creature had the face like a man. And the fourth creature was... Like a flying eagle. I don't know how to explain it, he says. The four living creatures, each having six wings. We read about them in Isaiah. We're full of eyes around and within. And they don't rest night and day saying, holy, holy, holy. This is verse 8. This is a really important verse. They don't rest saying, holy, holy, holy. Lord God almighty who was and is. Now I could read you millions of verses in Revelation. I think I'm going to have to save it for next week because I want you to know what this means. What does holy mean? The first time we have this word holy ever in the Bible is in Exodus chapter 3 when Moses meets God by the burning bush. This, of all the things you're going to hear this morning, I want you to hear this. This is the most important. A word very similar to it is is written in Genesis when it says on the seventh day, God rested and sanctified that day, which means set it apart, right? It's the word quadar or something like that. But the word holy is us or something. It's, it's very similar, but it's different. And I want you to catch this. This is really a significant thing to hear this morning. God says about you and me, be ye holy, for I am holy. But what is holy? So you have a man called Moses who is brought up in the home of Pharaoh. Pharaoh is the most powerful man on the planet. So Moses has been around and seen what power looks like. You need to catch this. This is really important. We can look around our world today, and what does power look like today? And it's, it's one nation uh, invading another nation. It's, it's people with lots of money. It's, you know, and, and power means so many different things, It's knowledge, is power. There's a lot of things that are said about it. But Moses knows what power looks like on the earth. And then he comes and he's walking through the wilderness and there's a bush on fire. I think, can you put it up for me? Exodus Exodus 3 verse 1. But this is important. This is, the word holy is about to be revealed to you. It's really significantly important for you to get this. Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, he has led the flock to the back of the desert and came to the mountain of God. Next verse. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of the bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Now this is the next verse that I want you to grasp is where we begin to get our understanding of what holy is. Moses looks and says, what is this? He's seen power that consumes. He's seen power that takes over, that destroys, that enslaves. But now he's seeing a power that's not touching the thing that it's on. He's never seen this before. He says, I'll now turn aside and see this side. Why isn't the bush burning? what on earth is going on? So he's captivated by something that doesn't compute with the natural mind. It's not logic. It's not reason. But there's something happening here that I don't understand. Do you know what? You can't get hold of holiness without this heart. This heart has to look at God and go, what is that? What is it that's about you that... Is captivating me. Do you know that's what worship really is? But anyway, we'll come back to that when I get to it. So the next verse is God tells him what that is. Moses says, what is this? And then God tells him. When the Lord saw that he he turned from the bush, he called to him and said, Moses, he said, here am I, verse five. Don't draw near to me. Take your sandals off, for the place where you stand is holy. What you don't understand, Moses, that's holy. If you understand it, it stops being holy. God is not someone who we can put in a box, put in an understanding, get in a doctrine, get in a teaching, get in a church, get into a worship song. Get it. He's not fixing them in the boxes. He has to be. What is that? And so God says, this is what that is. It's called holy. Now here's what he's saying. Please hear me. He's saying holy is the otherness of God. The apartness of God. The separateness of God. I'm not you. I will never be you. I am so different to anything that you know. On the day of Pentecost, they meet and the Holy Spirit <coughs> descends on them and flames of tongues of fire sit on them and doesn't consume them. What is this? The people outside hear them talking in their language and they've said, they've never, they've never been to my city. How can they be speaking in my language? And they go, what is this? You see, holy is what is this. And when God says to you and to me, you be holy, for I am holy, what is he really truly saying to us? I saw it at the king's coronation. Anybody watch it? Don't mind if you did or you didn't. But something happened at the king's coronation that blew me away. He sat there in his robes, his, his, his wealth, his glory, his royalty. He sat there with all of that, and the, the, priest, the vicar. What is he? His high archbishop is speaking the words from his pages of honour and glory, and and then they do something that I didn't know they were going to do. They took his coat off. be able to do this gonna mess. they took his robes off and he's just got like a white vest type shirt on and they bring out these partitions and they put them around him so no one can see and they said this we're now going to anoint you with oil what are they saying we're not going to anoint the king We're not going to anoint the royalty. We're not going to anoint your gift. We're not going to anoint your talent. We're not going to anoint your character. We're not going to anoint your, you know, reputation. We're not going to anoint any of that. Strip it all away. And I want to put my presence on that. I want people to go, what is that? If you're sat here and thinking, I'm not a good enough Christian. I'm not this. I'm not that. I'm not the other. Strip it all off and let him anoint that. Let what gets put upon you be that that people say, What is that? Why are you different? Don't let people look at you, You're different because you behave this way. You're different because you behave that way. Don't let that be the thing. Be different because He's put His holiness on you, He's put the otherness of Him on you. I had a massive revelation before I went away on the conference. And then they preached on it. You don't know what that feels like. When God shows you something and then men of God who have been praying and seeking his face for weeks and months come to the conference and they say what God's just showed you. It's like, whoa! And it's something to do with having it all stripped away and knowing that that's what he chose to put his holy on that's what he chose to put his otherness on i don't have to do things for you for anyone out of anything but the other i don't have to be this be that be the other i just have to be the other who you say i am what you want from me what you want me to say how you want me to live i don't have to join this group that group that organization this this way of thinking, this philosophy, this—I I don't have to do any. I, I'm just the other. You're not the sum of all these things that you've experienced in life. You put you—you you know what? Becoming a Christian is—I love this. I heard this last week, and I thought, that's brilliant. We say to people when we want them to receive Christ, we we'll say, "Let Jesus into your heart." But somebody said something. Absolutely remarkable last week. They said, no, becoming a true Christian is when you allow yourself to go into his heart. How amazing. He invites us into his heart, into his life, into his other, his separateness. He says, "Come, come and be like me. I want you to invite you into me. The things that I love, I want you to love. You know what we do? We do it the other way around. We go, Jesus, come into my life and be this, and be that, and do this in my church, and do this in this person's life, and do that in his going. I can do all that. He says, but how about you coming into mine and seeing what the other looks like? Because it's bizarre. I've been reading about it, it's bizarre. (laughs) But I want to say say that word to you because I want you to know, stripped off, he can put that hole in us on anyone. And he'll do it behind screens so that you don't get seen. But you'll come out of it, kings. You'll come out of it, queens. Sons, daughters, you'll come out. Clothed in him. There's a lot more I want to say. It's running through my head like a million things to say. But I'll leave leave you with this. What's the theme of heaven's worship? Does anybody know? And at one point, it would be easy to say it's God himself. God is the theme of heaven's worship. It would be easy to say that. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. But actually, that's... That's how it affects us when we get there. The otherness of God is going to just so blow us away. But then when they start to put words to it, these are the words you hear. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. You suddenly begin to realise that heaven is filled with this message who has redeemed us from every tribe and every nation. It's it's in heaven's songs. Heaven is singing about you. Singing about me. The whole of the theme of heaven is we have an awesome, unusual, weird, amazing God. And by the way, He became a lamb for us. And they can't help but sing. And so, have you never wondered what that verse means? There is rejoicing in heaven over one sinner that's repenting. Why? Because this is what we do, this is what fills us with awe and wonder at the Lamb who was slain for us. So they see his otherness, they see his separateness, they see his glory, and they see his sacrifice. And they go, wow. Yes, you're holy, you are incredible, and you're worthy because of what you've done for us. Do you think we might be joining in heaven singing about what he's done for us? I think we might. I think we might. It's just another. All I want to do with these words is not teach you doctrine, teach you theology, is to get your heart going, What is this? That you might have that moment that Moses had. That you might see something that doesn't look like anything else on the earth. And go, What is that? What is it that I'm feeling this morning while he's preaching? What is that? What is it that when we're worshipping sometimes and just, you sense something weird is happening to you? What is that? That's holy. That's you catching a glimpse of holy. It's great. Thank you. God bless you so much. Can we stand together? Bless God. Thank you. Can we stand together? Uh, uh, Shirley has asked for prayer. So um, is anybody else who, who would like prayer this morning? Jim? Okay. So... Anybody else who wants prayer, raise your hand. The rest of you, go and stand by Shirley and Jim and lay hands on them, not all of you, just a few of you can go and stand by Shirley and Jim. Anybody else wants prayer, put your hand up and I'll get someone to come and pray with you as well. If you all want to go and stand over there, you certainly can, I don't mind that. It's like gang up on them, I don't know. Outnumber them, it's wonderful. (laughs) Yeah, please do, please go. And I'm going to pray, but if you want to pray, you who are stood there, if you want to lift up your voice, if you want to cry out to God, then please do. So, Shirley, I know she's got um, something with her ears, uh, her eye, and doesn't sound like there's any hope for it. So we want to pray for God to overrule that. So, Father, right now we just lift up Shirley to you. those of you there can just lay your hands on her maybe on the side of her eye there the side of her head and they said God that something has happened at the back of her eye that they don't see any hope but we invite your presence Holy Spirit we invite the otherness of God this is a moment to require the otherness of God that that doesn't Fit our understanding, our language, our words, our technology, our science, even our skills as doctors and surgeons. We need the otherness of God to produce a miracle in Shirley's eye right now. So we will speak that word over you. Healing in the name of Jesus. By his stripes you were healed we release that word over you we let the presence of God come and on Jim too Lord whatever is going on for him with his body and God just let your presence fall upon both of them right now let them sense the power of God Lord even now as I'm praying this in my own mind I see and those of you who are laying on hands right there I just see us all being stripped of our abilities stripped of our gifts, of our titles, hiding behind this protection, these screens, and asking you to anoint us, this human being that we are, with the otherness of God, in Jesus' name. And we lift up Nick as well, Lord, right now, in Jesus' name, could we mind, if it's okay for you to do it, would you mind just lifting your hands as I pray for Nick? Really would appreciate it. We recognize again, Lord, that this is beyond. We thank you that you've actually made human beings with this ability to heal its own body. It's just miraculous. And his body is doing that, it is taking time. And he's just fed up. So we ask. And he's in pain. So we ask God, would you come and do a miracle for him? His body will, will eventually get there, but we ask for a miracle. God, would you touch his stomach right now? Would you be that healing process in his stomach, speeding it up? Reconnect to all the things that reconnect in, God and his throat, God, and his mouth, we pray right now in the name of Jesus for you to reform, reshape, to reignite even his taste buds. Because he says he can't taste anything. (laughs) So we pray for a miraculous change in your name, Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much. going to sing um, that song, "Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise," and uh, we'll take our offering as we sing this. There will be a prayer meeting on Tuesday, to which you're all very, very welcome. Uh, as we seek God's face, in fact, we'll be going back to, as I'm back now, um, who we are in Christ and and how to deal with strongholds and stuff in our life. So we'll be what, revisiting that again. So. But right now we're just going to sing this hymn. the lord and most worthy of praise the city of our god the holy place the joy of To lift your name. you, Father, that it doesn't matter what our age is. The otherness of God can be seen throughout all generations. We ask that you would pour that out upon each one of us, Lord. In your name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you.